0: Motherfuckers, <laughs> welcome to Respawn Aim <laughs> I just drooled a lot. Episode 110. Uh, we I'm are just so excited. I'm so excited with a kick ass, irreverent gaming podcast where three lifelong friends gather to talk about video games. I'm Chad, that's Holden, hi, and you're you, and that's why we love you. We got a shit ton of stuff to talk about today. It's gonna be a long episode if episode's the name of my penis, and I were fibbing just a bit. <laughs> Oh, man. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some E3 rumors. Maybe everything Microsoft's going to show off leaked. Who knows? We've Maybe. also got some stuff about Crunch, not Captain Crunch, not Raisin Bran Crunch. God, Raisin Bran Crunch is good, though. But that good, good, that's sex. <laughs> and all these PlayStation movies that are going to get made, that's what we got to talk about today in our episode of the Kick-Ass Gaming podcast. But, Holden, guess what we're going to do? What are we going to do, Chad? We're going to start by asking you how you are. How are you? No one gets to catch up with you and just learn about your life. What are you doing no. nowadays? Right now, I'm recording a podcast. We're about to talk about E3 stuff. Do you know that this podcast has a Patreon at patreon.com slash respawnaimfire, where if you enjoy what we do, you can support us monetarily with your wallet money, and then also, you can get lots of cool <laughs> shit. <wallet> money. <laughs> god i just accidentally snorted a bit and a lot of post-nasal drip just went into my throat and by that i mean <laughs> just straight, straight up so far <laughs> you can also play with us like borderlands too like we've been doing with our community this week two weeks and deal with chad's nasal problems and deal with my case. nasal problems i have a db septum. hello <laughs> uh yeah so that's a great thing and then what else what else uh what else? Holden, what's that? You got a new job, or your job responsibilities have changed? What are you talking about? I don't know, I just want to learn about
1: you. Oh, you want to learn about me? Oh, about We're lifelong
0: program? friends. I know some stuff about you, our lifelong friends, just they want to catch up. What's See, going See, this is on what, what Affable life?
1: Idiots is for. This is the video game podcast. What?
0: Do we have another podcast called Affable another- Idiots coming on June 2nd? Sorry, that's the yeah. day we're, re- we're recording it. It will launch sometime <laughs> that week. Oh my god, with Jesse Neal, my former roommate, who's me with more dicks, her words not mine, is twenty nineteen. Anyone <laughs> an have accurate dicks statement.
1: now. I've said it already in the show, but you have guys have no idea what you're in for with a podcast with basically two Chads. This would be two Chads. <laughs> who's got Except- two Chads and is excited as fuck? Affable <laughs> idiots does. That's that's the tagline for
0: Affable Idiots is double the Chads. A Chad is a long skinny penis, according to
1: Urban Dictionary. The opposite <laughs> well, is- of a chode. Interesting. Well, there's going to be double of that, I guess. Double More chads, than penises,
0: double chads, one chode in a pizza place. Well, great, Holden. Glad you don't want to tell anybody about your life and that you hate them. I'll let them know you said so. So instead, we'll start with our quest log for E three, e three, and we're going to start with Final Fantasy VII remake leaks reveals upcoming demo and high game price point. This comes from Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. Ranks, ranks, ranic, ranics, ranks gamer, an X, gamer, an X. Um, on gamer Reddit, angst. we're done it's with gamer that. Angst. No, that bit's over. Hold on. Oh, okay. on Reddit, a leak from a legend employee at Square Enix's El Segundo that's Spanish for a second. Oh, sorry, the second. El, the, it's masculine, the branch detailed a two part game with each part costing $60. Yeah. Did you ever watch Kimmy
1: Schmidt? I watched the first season of it. It was okay.
0: In the first season when they go to take pictures outside that church or something like that and they're taking the photos and somebody's like, what are you guys doing here? And then he's like, I'll pay you a hundred bugs if you let us shoot here. And she goes, did you say bugs? And he goes, demo of Final Fantasy 7 available at E3 and then available later on at home This is uh, so this is uh, apparently a leak from someone who says they're Square Enix uh, yes. first of all what do you think about this price $60 per part for a two part Final Fantasy 7 remake
1: it's strange because we've already people I haven't bought the game but like people have already bought that game at a full price point when it was one full game back in the 90s so it is very strange to say hey we're remaking it the first half is the full is a full price game. And they've already said at least it's going to be multiple parts and those multiple parts are going to be full length games, but all of final fantasy 7 was already considered a full length game. It's very strange. I feel like it's almost you know like when they make like you know uh, Harry Potter like book 7 they split it into two movies, do the same thing like catching fire yeah. or, like it's like and one thing Hobbit. when you're going from like yeah, going from one medium like books to another medium of movies, but this is literally like Video game to video game. Like, you're just in the same medium. Like- well,
0: three-disc video game to one-disc video Well, two-disc video game. Okay, but
1: that's because disc capacities have gotten a lot better over time. And so has my dick capacity. <laughs> I mean, let's put it this way. Final Fantasy Thirteen was like, what, three discs on Xbox 360? I don't know. I do everything digital. I'm pretty sure it's like three discs. But it was a lot, is the point. Are they going to make that... Well that's because they use DVDs well. and not Blu-rays. I'm sure it was one yeah, Blu ray on again, PS3. Because disc capacity, not because the Dick game capacity. Split. What a Chad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think it's really strange. I, I really don't know what to make of it. You know what? I, it, it would literally be, no, but no matter what, it's not like the first part's gonna be everything you expected to be in Final Fantasy VII, and then the second game is gonna be like oh, secondary continuation of it like Final Fantasy X-2 or something like that it, it's going to be Final Fantasy 7 split in two halves it's just strange and uh, it the, it's kind of just I think deceiving to say high game price point it's still $60 the, what's just, it's really happening is they're just splitting it into two parts and charging full price for both parts yep it's not uh, really a high price game so
0: here's, here's what we know and what we don't know what we don't know is anything about the game really we've seen some screenshots some yeah. maybe gameplay footage uh, so, this is all leaking. They haven't told us why it's going to be worth $60 per part yet, which I assume is what's coming later this summer in June. Um, another point is that this is not on the scale of like Final Fantasy X and 12 remakes, where they're just doing 4K textures and maybe a little bit of orchestration work. These are like ground up reimaginings of these games. And uh, argument number three. Everyone paid 60 bucks for Destiny and it was trash and then they paid $40 for it to make it less trash. Um I had fun with it. I don't care. It's trash though. I can admit that. So I'm totally okay with paying 120 bucks total if for two stellar parts to a very long and um full game. I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't agree with that idea that because it's not like a just a upres that's warranting it it's putting it in half. you're right, we don't really know it, the game is it maybe it is a like part one part two like i was saying earlier like 10 10 two. um and they are really doing more within than we think there have been so many variations on final fantasy 7 i'd be very surprised if that was the case um but we'll see but i guess the, the point i want to make is that final fantasy 7 was always one game so to say we're splitting it up because well it's going to take more time to make final fantasy 7 at the scale of today's games well they didn't they did the same thing. Shadow of the Colossus. They just remade that game, basically. But they didn't like split it up and say, "Well, it was took so much more time to make each Colossus than it did to make the Colossi and the you know the first time around on the PS2." So we're going to split this up into two parts, where eight of those Colossus are going to be in one game, and the other eight are going to be in the second game. That'd be preposterous. It's one game. It's Shadow of the Colossus. It was released as one game. Shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, they'd have to do something really unique to warrant there being a second game like i'm talking like a lot of extra content um yeah i have no actually to be clear as well i actually don't have a problem if i'd have less of a problem if they said hey it's going to be a gigantic game it's going to be huge in scale and we're going to have to charge 80 90 bucks for this game i'd rather see that because that's kind of a conversation i think we're already having in the industry right now with, like, lower price points and having games at, like, $40 or $30 instead, that there's going to eventually be a time where there's a conversation for $90 games as well or something in that ballpark, at least. It's more expensive, is the it's the point. A premium, right? you know, uh, quadruple-A game kind of thing. Um, I, I'd rather see that than splitting two games. Yeah. Well, uh, I
0: think this is just, like, inherently the problem with yeah. leaks is that we find out in a yeah, like this that we're not supposed to know yet because they haven't told us why it's going to be worth that price. Yeah. So... We'll see. In general, I'm not opposed to paying 120 dollars for a game. We'll just—they just have to sell it to me. They have yeah. to tell me why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see.
1: Next I story is coming
0: it. right after Holden's comment about whatever he was going to say.
1: No, I was going to go to the next story as well. So I just said you go. Great.
0: Ahead. Um, <laughs> E3 quest log: No show floor booth for Activision at E3 from Brendan Sinclair at GamesIndustry.biz. Activision representative said, while we won't have a traditional space on the show floor, we look forward to participating at E3 across a number of activities. They will instead have private meetings upstairs at the expo. And uh, the last E3 that they missed for context was in 2008. So it has been 11 years.
1: Yeah, this makes me... There's been a lot of shifting and changing this E3. Mm -hmm. And it makes me think how much of Next Gen we're actually going to see, which I think is not that much. Spoilers for a little story later. Huh? <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Um, I don't think we're going to see that much. I think it's going to be discussed the same way the Scorpio was discussed. Not that much detail. We'll tell you more next year, but it's coming next year. I think it's going to be the crux of it. We might see... Some cross-gen games, but I don't think we'll see any official next-gen games. So I feel like companies are kind of saying, hey, this is going to be a little bit of a lull of of an E3. This is kind of the just before next-gen E3, but like still kind of next-gen E3, but not really quite there all the way yet. So I I think that this is going to be an interesting E3 just for how much hype is going to be going into it. And then I think this kind of shows if Activision's not willing to even put booths out, they don't really probably have that much to show off because they can't show things off because they don't have the next-gen stuff. That they do want to show you, off so i'm just i'm curious what's going to happen here
0: do you don from that i get the idea that you don't think we're going to see a lot of next gen games or trailers nope at this as well whereas yeah. i and think I'll, we will or at least we'll start to see things like Releasing on next-gen systems, releasing on next-gen consoles. Well, we'll like what to I see said earlier, trailers.
1: yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is what I was saying earlier was we'll see cross-gen stuff, but we're not going to see exclusive next-gen stuff. Yeah. We're going to see games that can go on both systems. And like you said, we'll see Cyberpunk 2077. By the way, it's also going to be coming to the next Xbox as well. Like we'll see stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's what this E3 is going to be about is look at how similar the generations are. And the next E3 is going to be, look at we have a whole new generation to show you now. <laughs> this is going to happen. Great. This is going to happen.
0: Activision won't be there, but Netflix will. Netflix is attending E3 2019. New adaptation announcements planned from Rory Young at Game Rant. So Netflix Mm -hmm. will host a panel called Bringing Your Favorite Shows to Life, Developing Netflix Originals into Video Games. And you'll see a lot of games that you don't want.
1: It also sounds like a GDC panel, not an E3 panel.
0: Yeah. That's not really a big thing at E3. Panels are not necessarily like something that happens a lot. That's weird.
1: It is very strange. I don't um, think there's going to be much coming out of this. Yeah, Stranger Things about.
0: 3, the game will be present. Promises that there's definitely more to come. I don't think I'm going to see anything in there that I want to play.
1: Uh, if they make an Arrested Development game, they that'd be cool. They won't. <laughs> no, dear they God, don't. they won't. Please don't. They won't do that.
0: <laughs> Maybe the Crane game. The Crane game? <laughs> yep. Maybe not. I'm more it's excited. my awards from
1: Army. <laughs> <laughs> I... I'm not interested in Netflix being an E3 at all. I'd rather talk about this Microsoft stuff. Oh, shit. Now, this is a rumor. Yeah, this is a this heavy, is a heavy rumor. rumor
0: from a dude who says he's important. Rumor. <laughs> entire Microsoft E3 2019 press conference leaks. Includes next-gen Xbox and Fable. From Dalton Cooper at Game Rant. No, it is not Walmart Canada. It is Neogap user Brawl Deer, who claims to be an industry insider. He broke down leaks by what he's certain will be announced, and what he's less certain will be announced. Let's run through what he's certain about. We'll discuss it, and then we'll go to the next stuff. There will be a Halo Infinite new trailer and holiday 2020 release date. Gears 5 will see a full gameplay reveal with September release date. (laughs) Gears Tactics will have a new trailer with release date. Ori 2 will have a a new trailer with release date. Bleeding Edge is going to be a new IP from Ninja Theory, who did Hellblade and most recently was acquired by Xbox. However, this will still be a cross-gen sci-fi game. The Outer Worlds will get a new trailer and release date. Cyberpunk 2077 will show its head at Microsoft's conference for a new gameplay trailer and release window reveal. Age of Empires 4 gameplay reveal and 2020 release date. Fable Reboot. This is a tease for a next-gen Fable game, but the game itself is exclusive to next-gen Xbox for a likely release in 2021. New content for Sea of Thieves, gameplay and release date for Battletoads, a big-ass info dump for Project xCloud, baseline specs for the next-gen Xbox, and then a round of third-party games. This is what Brawl Deer is certain will be at Xbox's E3. Anything in there stand out to you, Holden?
1: It honestly seems pretty legit. I mean, like, in terms of, yeah. like, yeah, I could see that being the event. I don't know if it's actually legit or not, but it it's makes sense. It's all
0: stuff that we've – mostly all stuff that we've seen before, but we're just getting updates, to.
1: Yep. And the things that they are teasing are things that – are that we haven't seen, I should say, are things that we've seen in rumors before. Uh, we've heard about that Fable reboot before E3 last year. There was that kind of, like, leaked clip of, of Fable, which turned out not to be legit. Yeah. Um, but there have been rumors around that for a while, and also that clip looks so good. I'm convinced it really was from from something. They just didn't end up talking about it last year.
0: Do you remember that Harry Potter game that leaked too? It has nothing yeah. to do with this, but it was
1: good. It, it was it was not quite to that extent. Or that's clearly going to be announced at some point. Like there's just no way that how have we not heard about that yet? We're going to hear about it at the E3, I'm sure. Um, but we said the same thing last year too. I think didn't we? No, no, we no this that. That Harry that Potter I thing was, like fall, right yeah, yeah. was right before the Game Awards. Yeah, it right before the Game Awards. But yeah, nothing in here is that su- not, it's not that surprising. Um, I I buy it. I wouldn't be surprised if this turned out to be totally legit. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Next up, some things that he is, has a high chance of happening. A mech assault game will be revealed. New Forza Motorsport, a tease for a next-gen Forza. There's also rumored to be a new Capcom game, possibly the Resident Evil 3 remake, or even a new Dino Crisis game. And then a bigger concentration on Japanese game devs, which is something that Microsoft has traditionally lacked in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, bunch of stuff I don't care about except for Resident Evil 3 remake. Yeah. Or unless um, there's I some don't...
1: cool Japanese games. I feel like they showed off Resident Evil 2 remake, though, at Sony's event. What Sony event this year, though? but they still have state of play. Like if they're having partnerships with, with Sony to, to discuss Resident Evil games specifically at a Sony event, they would have just held up for state of play or for PlayStation experience or something else. They wouldn't just say, well, we want to be a E3, so we're going to ditch you. I don't know if they could contractually do that or not. Um, depending on what kind of agreement they have, why they, you know, showed off Resident Evil 2 with that last time. I don't really know. Um, but that's kind of my only hesitation there is that Resident Evil 2 remake was shown off with Sony. Um, We've seen bigger and, shifts, like when Call of Duty went from Xbox to PS4. Like that happened with different console generations, though. Yeah. Um, the the one here as well, like Frozen Motorsports tease, makes complete sense. I guarantee, if that's happening, that's just going to be. By the way, we're working on it. It's not. It'll be like on a big screen with a bunch of logos of like games that, that they're working on for this next gen Xbox, and we'll just talk about the baseline specs for.
0: Yep. And then there's a third bucket of things that have a small chance of happening. Next-gen Rare game. It's been a while since we've seen anything from Rare, right? Um, no, Rare did Sea of Thieves. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I just associate Rare with much higher quality games, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so they haven't released a game in a long time, is what you're saying. Speaking of Rare, Perfect Dark reboot has a small chance of happening. Reportedly in development at Dalala? Dalala? Delala Studios, I think, with Rare supervising. And uh, then more Xbox Game Studios acquisitions. Possible purchase announcements of IO Interactive. You're all up there, Hooch.
1: Asobo and Relic Entertainment. I don't know those last two. Uh, Relic sounds familiar, but IO Interactive, they do the Hitman games. They just freed themselves from Square Enix, basically, and are claiming that they really love the independence. So I'd be very surprised if they suddenly went over Microsoft. When it, I'm assuming Hitman 2 has been going pretty well for them. So, uh, so yeah.
0: Relic Entertainment, known as THQ Canada. Not THQ Nordic, but THQ Canada. Uh, known for Homeworld, Warhammer 40,000, Dawn of War, and Company of Heroes. Bleh. Ooh. I haven't played any of those games. And then what's the other one? Asobo. Asobo. Asobo is a French video game company based in Bordeaux, France. Uh, including, the, So they've done 17 video games for both consoles and PC, including Ratatouille, wall Up, and Toy Story 3.
1: Oh, so licensed games.
0: Licensed trash. <laughs>
1: the Incredibles Ooh. game is still really good. I maintain that. Very good game. But that's all that I have to say about this Xbox stuff. Anything else you yeah, to Yeah,
0: that's uh, shaping up to be a very predictable Xbox conference, it looks like.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, like I said, I think it's going to not be as big as people think it's going to be. I think it's it's going to be their oh, most ambitious gonna... one to date, though. Uh, yeah, whatever. Speaking of most ambitious one to date, what have been playing this week? Uh, I don't know why this is ambitious, but Borderlands
0: Two. That's all I've been playing. And if you really are ambitious. a Patreon subscriber, you have the chance to play that along with us. Um, so do it, fucking do it. Tuesday nights are definitely a surefire thing. We were also on on Saturday playing a little bit. I was on on Sunday. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Respawn Aimfire. Hold
1: on, what the fuck did you play? Uh, I played Rage 2. Oh, you got impressions of that Rage 2? I have early impressions of that game, yes. So I really have been enjoying Rage 2 a lot. I did not play Rage 1, so this is my first time playing Rage No one did, don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, no, no one did. Uh, but I really hope people play this game because I'm early on in the game, like I said, so I haven't really gotten too deep into the story, um, kind of purposefully, actually. I'll get to that in a second. But the the gun play is just rock solid. It is fast, just like it is in Doom, but it does have this kind of fun open world to explore. Um, I haven't gone too deep into the world quite yet. However, when you're on the map, there's all these like question mark icons that keep popping up, and they're just areas to kill guys. So I've not really been doing the story missions because you just go, oh, well, there's a question mark really close by, and I want to shoot some people, so I'm going to go over there and shoot some people, and it's really fun, and I enjoy it, and it's great. Um, but yeah, is I don't that, really
0: that sounds—is it like it sounds a lot like Far Cry or Days Gone or something like that? Is that kind of what it is? Yeah, that but mechanic it's very, specifically.
1: Yeah, in terms of just driving around and just shooting stuff, yeah, it definitely has that. Just but random just, events that pop up. But the, it's not so much, well, like, yeah, random events will pop up. Like, I was driving, and suddenly this huge truck, which is like a boss battle, basically, just drove by. And I was chasing him down and shooting cars around him to get close to the big truck again. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I actually didn't end up accomplishing uh, the goal there. The truck actually got away because I was not good enough. But I'm not that was, good enough. I was not good enough. But it was, there was. that was a good, like, emergent gameplay moment. It's not so much with those question marks, though. You really have to look at your map to see them. Like they won't like pop up, or maybe I'm just not seeing it. But I haven't really seen a pop up saying like you just passed. You know this that's like you know a hundred meters away. That'll only pop up if you're actually there. So I've had to go to the map, see the question mark icon, and then travel there. But they do a really good job of navigating. Uh, there's no mini map, which I actually like a lot. I'm not a big fan of the mini maps because otherwise I'm just looking at the mini map the entire time. Mm. But what this does is when you're driving it puts like purple arrows on the road itself so you're just looking at the game still and that's worked out really really well so i generally just look for one of those icons and then let the purple line guide me as to where i'm going
0: but the wheel wheel, as they say
1: but it's just the gunplay is just so solid it's extremely solid and fun and once you get a shotgun it's a blast so i i definitely recommend uh playing just on the little that I've played so far, it seems like it's going to be uh, expanding quite a bit as well. There are these kind of like arc locations where you'll have to just, you know, kill all the enemies that are in that area, and then when you get to the arc in the back of the area, you'll gain some additional perk of some kind. It feels very, very similar to the shrines in Breath of the Wild. So it's kind of very exploration-focused, which I kind of like as well. So I, I've been enjoying it, but I'm not too deep in the story, so I don't really know... What that's going to look like, how interesting the characters are going to be, um, but yeah, I like it so far. It's good. Are
0: there like character classes and stuff to choose from, or is it just you can you have a bunch of skill trees and you can really make whatever you want?
1: I don't think there are character classes. I think about it, no, but this is this my hunter? I think. Let me see, because now I have like no memory of that. If that's the case or not, I don't think so. I think you just give you a gun and you just go. Oh no! At the very beginning of the game, you just chose a gender. Yeah, I think you just chose genders gender, fluid, Holden.
0: <laughs> it's twenty. You choose in
1: a male and a female character. <clears throat> male and a female. Ooh, uh, I'm looking it up right now. Because now your you're that you're saying binary like,
0: definitions,
1: um,
0: with all the different types of skills you could get, I assumed they were like different classes, but maybe it's just cool things you can lock with anybody.
1: Yeah, I don't really see that. No, so yeah, I, I haven't noticed anything like that at all. Um, you're really, like, you're upgrading more, like, abilities that you have. So, like, I, I got an ability early on where if armored enemies are coming towards me, I can do, like, a force push to, like, push them away and knock their armor off. Like the force unleashed? Exactly like that. You have, like, an overdrive mechanic, uh, which is actually very similar to what's available in Doom. Um but, Yeah. Like I said, very early in the game, and I've just been having fun with the, the the gun mechanics of the game. It's kind of been what I've been playing with mostly is just finding a camp and then going nuts. It's just been fun. Cool. Well, so I'm excited
0: I'll, to hear next week about more impressions that you have as well yeah, as I'll have your have impressions of
1: Days Gone. Nah, I think I'm done with that game. <laughs> <laughs> righty,
0: right, right, all right. Next up we're going to talk about our fetch quest. This is yes. the uh quest that like just headlines, not a lot of meat to them, so we're just going to mention the headlines and go I'll through it. I'll take us
1: through it. Take a so Minecraft has surpassed 176 million copies sold worldwide. That's from Looking More at Dual Shockers. Also from Looking More uh, Looking More at Dual Shockers, Moss is getting a new expansion called Twilight Gardens. It's yes. coming out. It's just later this month, it's actually coming out in June. Fuck. Um yes. VR Rhythm Phenomenon Beat Saber leaving PC early access next week with price increase. It's from Matt Wales. At your game, yes. it's going to be $30, which is still totally Fuck reasonable. Yes. Yeah,
0: that's how much it costs on PS4. So, mm-hmm.
1: And then Grand Theft Auto 5 has now shipped 110 million copies, and Red Dead Redemption 2 passes 24 million. Also, Logan Moore at Tool Shockers. He just writes everything in the news. Dude is
0: really good at writing for millennials. We just read the headlines, that's all we want. <laughs>
1: $24 million sounds really low. Yeah, but keep in mind that Red Dead Redemption is never as big of a seller as Grand Theft Auto. Well, I don't know if we
0: could say that because historically it's really been one game. So No, it's actually, this is the third one. I know, but it's really been one game. The Rockstar game, you know, put care and effort into it.
1: Oh, okay, the, both were made by Red Rockstar Dead Red Dead Revolver.
0: Red Dead Revolver was before Rockstar was like... I thought Rockstar did. was involved in that one. They were. I thought they bought the IP.
1: Hold, please. Well, while you find that out, I'm going to go ahead and bring us into our third-party quest log. Um, Sources say that Call of Duty 2020 San Diego. You're right. Yeah, sources Call of Duty 2020 in upheaval as Treyarch takes over. Um, black, plans black ops 5 that's from jason schreier kutaku uh, basically what's happening there is the studios raven and sledgehammer were working on a call of duty game that's supposed to take place in vietnam during the cold war and i guess they've been at each other's throats so much that they just had the game pulled from them and treyarch is going to take over and release the game next year uh, as is intended to be however what's interesting about this is that Call of Duty games run a three-year cycle, so Treyarch, Sledgehammer, and Infinity Ward basically release one game every year. Yeah, um, they, they cycle releasing a game each year, and they have three years to work on their game. This now means Treyarch has to complete this game in a two-year time frame.
0: Well, this wasn't Raven and Sledgehammer weren't pulled from the game; they were just now under Treyarch's leadership instead, right? Like Treyarch oh, is that what it taking is? lead on it, and they are now working under them.
1: Confirm that nice for me. Nice, long that... silence.
0: Yeah, good content. Good <laughs> <clears throat> that, because uh... that doesn't...
1: That wouldn't make sense to me. Why would they just have the leaders taking over on it? Yeah, according just, to just those briefs on the overhaul, Treyarch will take creative
0: leadership on this new Black Ops, while Raven and Sledgehammer will serve as support studios for the game.
1: So Treyarch is still going to be developing that game, though. Is it the main developer? Yeah, so they're basically... It, it, so, so Raven and Sledgehammer are just support developers for it, Treyarch is sounds still the like, main developer.
0: Uh, they'll serve as support studios for the game, transforming the work that they've done on their own single-player story mode into a campaign for Black Ops 5. So Treyarch's coming in. They're turning what they've made into Black Ops 5 yeah. and saying, hey, what you've already made, we're, you're, that's just going to be the campaign for our game, and you're going to be working on this. So yeah, they're still involved in the game, just under Treyarch's leadership now.
1: But the point is that Treyarch developers are now working on this game.
0: Yes, in addition okay. to Raven and Sledgehammer. Yeah. And they've got a head start. C. C. That's Spanish for C, which is also Portuguese for yes. (laughs) And then you brought this last word to my attention. Yeah, while I was pooping in the other room, but we could still talk because microphones, man. (laughs) Lead me through this one because this one's annoying. Um, This is just stupid. It's just stupid. So GameStop is changing its GameStop Pro Rewards program for... Ever, if you were a pro member, which is like 15 bucks a year, you get 10% off everything used. Accessories, consoles, games, as well as a subscription to Game Informer. Um, and they are taking away that 10% off pre-owned stuff and replacing it with just a $5 reward certificate every month. Which expires at the end of the month and does not roll over. Which, depending on how you use your membership, could still save you money. The yearly price of the membership went up from $15 to $20 per year. Um, but if you just buy a used game here and there, you might not notice any difference or you might save more money than you did before. But more often than not, when you buy a pre-owned controller or a pre-owned system, you could save a ton of money with that. Uh, so I think this just... They took what was maybe the only reason to go shop at GameStop, which was used game shit, and turned it into something completely different and awful. So we're gonna play another round of When's the last time you went to GameStop? Just kidding. We all know it was too far ago to remember. Uh, so yeah, that's that's uh GameStop's shit new, new, uh, new thing. Write into us and tell us if you still shop at GameStop regularly. I know Matt Vieira does. I've heard him talk about it on the podcast, on his podcast, when gaming.
1: I just I kind of stood out for a lot of that. Sorry, yeah, I but- know
0: you were texting on your phone and like jerking your dick into your face and all that. Kind of stuff. <laughs> Especially the last part.
1: That's exactly what I was doing with with my Chad. So, (laughs) (laughs) long skinny
0: penis holding the party.
1: So, um, the whole $60 annual thing is just. That's so shitty to phrase it that way because. You don't get $60 like at once, which is kind of what it makes it seem like. You get $5 each month that, that doesn't roll over. So really, like $60 annually makes it seem like, oh, I could buy a game for free every year. Like That's what that phrasing sounds like, and it's totally not what it is. It's really deceptive. But you know what you could do? Every
0: single month, you could put $5 down on a game that's coming out next year. And then <laughs> that one game you get for free when it comes out. You could you could do that, yeah. <laughs> oh man, there'll be
1: some stipulation that you can't use that five dollars like towards the same thing or something like that as well. They'll they'll close that loophole or can't go towards pre-orders or, yeah.
0: Stupid, 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 stupid. I'm really curious to see how much longer they are around.
1: Yeah, this just seems like a really desperate move. Yep.
0: We're gonna move on to our Microsoft Quest log, starting with the word Sony. Sony and Microsoft to explore strategic. Partnership. This comes from Microsoft themselves. Sony will use Microsoft's Azure for their game and content streaming services. Together, they will continue to develop future cloud solutions and current data center based solutions. This is a groundbreaking partnership that has, uh, we'll get into a little interrogative here in a second, that has. Uh, Very little implications on the gaming scene right now and some significant ones down the road. A couple of other things about it. Both companies will also partner in the development of semiconductors and artificial intelligence. And a very vague but essentially – it's very vague but Microsoft will provide access to its Azure platform and Sony will provide
1: hardware solutions. So there's a little tit for tat Mm -hmm. going on there. Yeah, this is absolutely massive. This is actually what I was saying when Studio, was Stadia got announced, was that Google, Microsoft, and Amazon are going to end up leading the gaming industry because they have the internet infrastructure to lead in game streaming. Mm-hmm. And I basically at that time I said Sony's going to have to partner with Microsoft, Sony, or Sony's gonna have to partner with Microsoft, Google, or Amazon if they want to take game streaming seriously. And literally months later, here we are. Yep. They had to do it because they couldn't do without them. I mean, and I was, think they'd rather work with Microsoft who they know understands that industry already. Yeah. So they're going to have some you know common interests.
0: It is a, a smart business move, I Absolutely. think. Um, rather than continuing to put lots of time and money and resources into their own homemade um, solution themselves so that they just don't have the infrastructure for to just license that space out for Microsoft, I think is going to get them a big head start. Not a head start, because everyone else is already ahead of them, but going to catch up a lot of um, time for Sony. Yeah.
1: I also think that Sony needs Microsoft way more than Microsoft needs Sony. I mean, Sony's basically offering hardware expertise. That's kind of what they're able to, to bring to the table. Right. But Microsoft's been getting better at that. I mean, I don't use the Surface products myself, but they have really good engineers working on... On the surface devices, and I and I hear they're really good products. We've you know heard that the Xbox uh, One X is a really incredible piece of hardware. Uh, I, I know it's a different type of hardware, working on servers and that kind of stuff. But I'm sure Microsoft at some point is going to be able to handle whatever Sony's offering them on their own. So yeah. I really think that this is going to be a more beneficial to Sony than it is for Microsoft. Curious how it's going to play out the long term.
0: Well, if you think about things like they've they've licensed Blu-ray drives for Xbox for years, mm-hmm. with Sony's announcement of their new specialized SSD, I wonder if we're going to see that show up in a Microsoft console in the near future. Oh, interesting.
1: Maybe, maybe it literally is the next Xbox.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I wonder if they're if they're like saying rather than trying to develop our own SSD that's this special crazy futuristic thing, mm-hmm. we'll just take that from Sony in exchange for server space. What's interesting about that is that um, that partnership was announced to the surprise of many people working on the PlayStation, the next-gen hardware. And, in <laughs> fact, managers had to console their teams and say, no, don't worry. Our plans for next-gen system hasn't changed. Your projects are still relevant. Don't worry. Um, so, yeah, the deal has been in discussion since last year between Microsoft and Sony's uh, senior management. PlayStation console division was not un- informed until news broke. Many on the PlayStation team have been assured that next generation plans will continue as planned. And apparently, coming from Matt Kim at US Gamer, Nintendo also reportedly interested in using Microsoft's Cloud Tech for video game streaming.
1: If they'll partner with Sony, they'll definitely partner with Nintendo. Yeah. Definitely
0: going to happen. Nintendo will be like, hey, yeah, we're interested too. Can we give you a call back in 20 years?
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll fax over our proposal to you.
0: Yeah, don't forget about us yeah (laughs) we've got a raven coming (laughs) related to that (laughs) oh i hope fucking not (laughs) related to that because it would end terribly (laughs) (laughs) we have a ryan subscriber interrogative from dusty hill again if you'd like to submit a subscriber interrogative which is a fancy word for reader or listener question uh go over to twitter at responding fire let us know his question is, now that Sony and Microsoft announced they're working together on games and services, what do you think E3 will look like for them? Um, I don't think we're going to see. Uh, there's nothing really game-related that they're working on together, aside from just renting out server space and letting them stream. Um, and services, yeah, they'll be, that will come into play just out of necessity of using the server space. But I don't think they're collaborating anywhere near on that level. I think it's purely a business decision uh for
1: uh like just for the technology and that's it so i don't think we're going to see anything different at e3 than we were previously i don't think we'll ever see anything different at e3 going forward about this i mean i iCloud runs off of google servers not all of iCloud but like a chunk of iCloud runs off of google servers it's not necessarily broadcast out there. Apple doesn't get on stage at WWDC and thank Google for providing servers so that they can run iCloud. No, they just market iCloud because they just right. want to talk about that product. And it's be the same thing here. Sony will just talk about new advancements in PS Now. They're not going to thank Microsoft on stage directly for that. Um, the, the money they give Microsoft does that more than enough.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> but they might get up on stage at the Game Awards and stand side by side and not look each other in the eye. <laughs> uh yeah so uh thank you for your subscriber interrogative dusty hill dustin your twitter handle is dusty but i know it's dustin dusty it hill. Is dustin is it dust is dust short for dustin and e
1: is his middle name like eclair i don't know dust eclair hill dusty Eclair. that is probably <laughs> that's probably what his middle name is yeah most likely it's eclair or email
0: <laughs> 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 or maybe this is the electronic version of him. His name is Dust E Hill, like like electronic oh. hill. Yep, yep. There you go. Uh, moving on to our Sony Quest log, we have one story and a relevant story. One that I'm kind of excited for. PlayStation sets up new film and TV division. This is from Michael McWhirter at Polygon. PlayStation Productions will handle development and production of movies and TV shows adaptations of PlayStation IPs. Uh, Here are a couple of tidbits about that. They will, I forget the name of the person because you didn't put it in the notes, but there's a person at PlayStation Productions that will handle, yeah, Yeah, uh, yeah. Avi Assad, I think, or Ari Assad, something like that. But then Sean Layden is also overseeing all of these as well. Um, That gives me a little bit of hope. That's very, very different than what I said. Um, but that's right. Uh, so yes, the the fact that that they have one person overseeing all of this, and that Sean Layden, the person who's in charge of Worldwide Studios and knows all of these properties so intimately, and is overseeing the movies and TV shows of all of these things, like that gives me a little bit of hope. He's kind of in the Kevin Feige role. Of Marvel well, they did Studios. call out
1: Marvel and say Marvel's an amazing thing right we'd like to so they definitely they've drawn that drawn that comparison themselves
0: they've drawn that comparison saying you know not to say that we're going to do anything as ambitious or great as Marvel, but that's certainly what we're taking as inspiration um, and they've also met with Kevin Feige and the head of the Transformers franchise in meetings and to talk about like what that might look like that gives me a little bit of hope that these might be quality things, and they all have some kind of like connection whether it's i don't think it's going to be anywhere near like a cinematic universe but like some kind of connection to the games and altogether but here's the other thing kevin feige is in charge of the mcu and marvel studios sean Layden is in charge of that for sony as well as every fucking thing else at worldwide studios so this is a small fraction of his energy and time versus kevin feige where it's like that's what he's responsible for solely that's what Assad's for. Assad. Kizzlebash.
1: Kids, kids love kids Bop. I said it so confidently, but someone would be like, Holden, you just got it way wrong, you racist piece of shit. Well, it's okay. I can't
0: correct you or call you racist because you didn't write it down, so I can't even see it. <laughs> I mean, you can look, look at the link and see it for yourself. Yeah, f- yeah. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> uh, Sony Pictures will handle distribution. Um Typically, Sony has like, for me, Sony Pictures has like a so-so, and Columbia is like the, the, Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. But anyway, they have like a so-so hit or miss record. Like if I see something's coming out in a Sony Pictures movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be a very mediocre movie. But, Spider-Man with the help of Captain Feige. Has been wonderful with the help of Kevin Feige. Exactly, exactly. So let's Sony look at the movies
1: that were made from Sony, specifically. Right. If, if we see good. Uncharted
0: or Last of Us with the help of Sean Layden, and I'm sure the heads of those studios,
1: they might be good. We'll see. I I, I don't know. Like I don't mean this is a defense to Sean Layden, but I don't. He's really good at this the video game business side of things. That doesn't mean he's going to be good at working on movies. Yeah. It's just very, very different. So I don't mean this as an offense to him, but his name in the presence of this doesn't give me confidence. It doesn't give me a lack of confidence either. It just, I don't feel anything about it. We'll we'll have to see what movies kind of come from this. What I'd I'd love to see is, I'd love to see them start to work with talented directors, talented writers who have a passion for these games. And I'd honestly prefer it uh, myself if these directors and writers approached them and, like, I'd love to make an infamous movie and this is my pitch for it. I've always wanted to do this. Um, yeah, similar to what like Jordan s-
0: vogt said with Metal Gear Solid. He's like, he's a Metal Gear Solid
1: fan and that's how yeah. that movie's going to be great. Exactly, exactly. And I think that... We've talked about video game movies before, but, like, with Pokemon worked because legendary pictures the studio that made it they decided to take a risk basically and make a put put a lot of money down on a video game movie that they weren't sure was going to pan out or not i mean it seems easy and obvious to say well of course a pokemon movie would have done well but it's not really an of course like it could have bombed and it didn't because there was care and love put into that project this is only going to work if they have the care and the love and if as long as it's not just a, well, the Pokemon movie did really well, so we should really get a studio together and and make some movies, too. Um, I, we'll just see how it plays out. For example, like uh, this Mortal Kombat movie that's coming out in 2021, um, that one sounds concerning to me just because Mortal Kombat movies have been tried before and usually not super great, and James Wan is going to make it better than the other Mortal Kombat movies were, for sure, but I don't know. Fast and the Furious isn't necessarily my kind of style of movie. So, like, I see a Mortal Kombat movie in that kind of style, and I go, "Oh, all right, I'll just see what happens when it comes out." But not getting the warm fuzzies on that one. So that's actually I, a think good point gonna get, I think we're going to get. I think we're going to get a lot of me Too video game movies, and I think this Mortal Kombat movie is one of them. Well,
0: so the what you're bringing Sonic up is doesn't that count, by the way, these, because it was right. already yeah uh, very established. Previously, what had happened is video game publishers would license their IP to Other production companies who are like, hey, I want to make this movie. Cool. Pay us this amount of money. You can use the IP. And they didn't really have any – the publishers themselves didn't really have any control over the end product. That's what we learned with Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft. And Ubisoft afterwards said, we're going to put a hold on all of our movies because we learned a lot of lessons with Assassin's Creed and we had almost no control over this project. So we're going to go back and we're not going to do these unless we have – a higher level of control and that's where playstation Productions steps in and says we are producing these we are developing these movies uh we're not licensing them out to somebody else so they are bringing in talent and making sure that they have control and they are making decisions over how these movies are run which i think is going to be a differentiator
1: you want i'm going to take back what i said about sean layden actually what's his job his job is basically curating talent to make video games He understands the creative process. He understands working with creative people in that regard. It's just a different Mm -hmm. type of creativity. That could work out well. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That's fucking right. You
0: heard it here first. That Uncharted movie starring Tom Holland is going to be fucking great.
1: (laughs) The script will be released on his Instagram profile next week.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next up, Nintendo Quest Log. I totally forgot this happened, and I didn't even watch it because I don't care about this game that much. But here's everything we learned about Super Mario Maker 2 from today's direct. From Hobby I watched it, Walton, so I
1: can I can Informer. take you through. Yeah,
0: you take you take over.
1: Yeah, so they have a lot to go through here, but they have some new enemy options. You can like change the size of enemies. You can put them in mystery boxes when you're creating your levels. Ooh, so You in can Super make Mario big Maker. world
0: like in Super Mario Bros. Three.
1: Yep, you have new tools. I actually put the any sun enemy. I meant to put the angry sun enemy. So you have any the angry sun. the egg of the angry sun chasing you around, just like in Super Mario. Uh, bros 3 you have snake blocks and they control like the path that they take mm-hmm. you do on off switches and they're showing some really clever things you could do with the on off switches i'll let you watch the video to see those you can have seesaws you can have claw like swinging claws that mario can grab onto and swing on you can have water and lava levels and control like when the water uh, rises up when it goes down for how long it stays up and could down. you not do that in the original Nope, you couldn't do that in the original. You can do custom scrolling, so you can change the direction of where it's scrolling now, so it's not just going to be left and right. You can go up and down, all that stuff if you wanted. Dry bone shells and bullet bills are um, now addable. So that's also, like, new new tools you have access to. Then you have new themes. There's desert levels you can have, snow levels, forest levels, sky level, and there are day-night options. And It actually changes the music depending on which area you choose, and if it's day or night or not. And that stuff looks really, really cool. Um, you can also set clear conditions for levels, so you could say like you have to collect fifty coins before you can finish the level, or you I can some sort of requirement to complete the level. Okay. And then there's also th- Super Mario 3D World style levels, where things are gonna have a little bit more of a 3D aesthetic to it, and you are gonna have like the cat suits, so you can climb up on things. Uh, that's something I think they're gonna talk more about because it seemed like with a lot of the levels you create in Super Mario Maker. You can st- make a level and then switch the style to a different era of Mario. This seemed to be a separate like, type of style that you can't just go back and forth between. So that's interesting there. Um, and then the last thing was multiplayer. Uh, you have to have a Nintendo Switch Online account in order to use the multiplayer, meaning like to access other players' levels, to submit your own levels, to share levels, all that stuff. You have to have a Nintendo Switch Online that access... Um yeah, I, I I honestly I think it make more sense to say if you want to play the levels um with friends than you need online, but just to access those levels. Yeah. You gotta pay a dollar seventy five a month or four dollars a year if you do a family plan with eight people. I know it's not expensive, it just seems like that's not really I guess it's not multiple, but it's online access. I don't know. I don't agree with that as much. But it looks good. It looks like a really good game. Uh, it looks like it is a nice little uh, kind of, I guess, 2.0 for this for this yeah. uh, series. It looks really feature It makes nice adjustments. It does, yeah. From what, what you what said. To, and then a lot
0: of it, after seeing, like, you can do this, 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 and this, it made me realize, damn, that first one was really bare bones. Yeah. And, like,
1: On it surprised me that surprised all of that wasn't me. in it. Like on off switches and like having water levels like that seems like it should have been there from the beginning. Yeah. Also just the theme. So you have a desert level. I'm like, could you only have Mushroom Kingdom levels in Super Mario Maker? Bullet bills weren't in it? Yeah. Crazy. They had to make a Super Mario Maker 2, so they had to hold some things back. (laughs) You're right. Anything that people wanted, they had to hold back. Because you gotta get by twice. I see probably what it is is just it probably takes a lot to create a Mario level creator and to create all those assets to, to be used in place anywhere. So maybe they just did as much as they could for the first one. It was good enough. Give me a fucking piece of graph paper, y'all. Yeah.
0: Great, that's all we got for Nintendo Quest Log. Let's jump into our main quest, but before we do... We have a couple of things we want to mention. First, again, go to Respawn Aim Fire's Patreon at patreon.com slash respawn aim fire. If you want to play along with us, get a cool exclusive wallpaper and the ability to vote on our barf games. What's a barf game? Backlog, Accomplishment, Respawn, and Friends. Uh, that's our game that we play every month or two if it's a long game. And May and June's game is Borderlands 2. Play that along with us. Holden Dose. and I are playing it. Having tons of fun. Um, we also have hashtag thanks for creating this is where we thank people in our gaming industry for doing dope things and adding some positivity to the world this week you're going to thank the developer of a game you'd like a sequel to so go out there and say hey thanks for creating this one I also would love to see a sequel to this one dope 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 and then finally we want to let you know about the last episode of our Game of Thrones review spoiler cast with nerds at large the Nerds at Large spoiler cast is available on podcast platforms, and holy shit, did we all hate the last episode. Find out why. All it right, hold
1: just atrocious. Just take us in like, our main quest. I, before we take the main quest, I'm just excited. I just Let's saw a the new story. They got me very excited, and I had Ooh, to mention it. Go! It's not video game related. It's John Wick related. Oh. They announced the fourth one. It's coming out May in 2021. Very excited, because three was good. It was a very good movie. Let's talk about that main quest, though. Main quest! So we're going to go to the whole crunch time thing, because that's been really a discussion we've been having on the podcast, at least for, jeez, months and months and months and months now. Actually, end of last year is when I think we first started talking about it with the whole Red Dead thing, yeah. And kind of the call to unionize. And at the time... I had pulled up some stats. I actually don't have the stats with me, shit. Um, I pulled some stats um, from the Independent Game Developer Association looking at crunch time, the amount of crunch time developers had worked, and I found that in 2004, 68% of developers were in crunch time periods working over 60 hours. And then about 10 years later, that number had basically halved. It was around like like thirty four thirty five percent so roughly it had had halved, which means that the industry is making really, really good progress on crunch time without the unionization because the industry responds to uh the community um very quickly usually, and I wanted to kind of call that out because it's kind of what's happening right now is so we have three developers and there are many more, but these are just three developers that we are pulling up stories for that have are trying to make attempts to reduce their crunch time or at least they're saying publicly. That they are making attempts to reduce their crunch time and we'll kind of get to that because i think that's important to make a distinction about um but the first company is is blizzard um in an interview with uh, Eurogamer, john height who's an executive producer and vice president for world of warcraft at blizzard he was just kind of within the interview they kind of touched upon the whole crunch um whole crunch time thing and he says they have a general policy uh, just against crunch time but they're not a hundred percent there yet and they're Improving, then they've seen really big improvements themselves in the past, you know, five, ten years or so. Um, he says that at this point there are very few parts of the team that end up having to work any degree of overtime. Although there's always points where sometimes it just kind of has to happen. I's what he's saying, but they're really good about it. And he kind of cited a study saying that anything after eight hours or ten hours of work, you hit this point of diminishing returns, where like you're right. working, but it's not as good of work, so you're probably going to end up having to do more work to make up for what you just didn't do as well. So you might as well just not work those hours. Right. And they're trying to be better about that. So they're being vocal about it. I think it's kind of putting a pressure on them to do better. Or, like I said, like, if it's like a PR thing, they're just I wonder, saying it to say it. But I do believe them.
0: Yeah. yeah. I wonder, though, like how much of an outlier they may be. Because if you think about what Blizzard's released in the last five to ten years, it's Overwatch. And well, then, like, continuing updates to other games, like World of Warcraft expansions, rather than, like, full-fledged new release titles.
1: They tried They try to get... Updates out every 11 weeks, which is a pretty tight schedule. Yeah. Still. So they're still working really, really hard. They're just supporting existing games that we don't play, so we don't really know what they're doing too much. Sure. Um, I'm going to go through all the developers and we'll kind of talk about it as a whole because I really think it's. They're all related anyway. Um, the next one's the Wolfenstein developer is trying to eliminate crunch. This is John Jennings. He was doing a Reddit AMA. Here's just two quotes from him. He said, labor laws in Sweden are very prescriptive about what's legal about crunch um, is about blah about what's legal, um, but crunch is also something that we're actively working at eliminating from our studio, and I say that genuinely rather as some trite PR answer. We've built a policy over the last 12 months, and we're putting it in an effort to stick to it, even if that makes life for us in management more difficult from a business perspective sometimes." Basically, it's going to be harder management. We're going to go ahead and do it anyway. And the last one of CD Projekt Red, um, they want to improve the work-life balance on Cyberpunk 2077 developers. Um, so this was in an interview with Kotaku with um, CD founder, um, Marcin um, Iwanski, or, uh, yeah, Iwanski, and Cyberpunk director, Adam um, Badowski. So they said they want to be no know- they're already, they feel like they are already known for respecting players, they also want to be seen as being respectful towards the developers as well, and they, one of things for that they're talking about is like not having repercussions for taking time off, it's totally okay to do, we want to be refreshed for coming back into work. Um, then Kutaku kind of pointed out that they still have some crunch time issues with their studio, and Dewanski responded, we've been communicating clearly to people that, of course, there are certain moments where we need to work harder, like, I think the E3 demos are a pretty good example of that. Goes on to point out how some people have unique skills, making them more in demand during certain phases of development. So you might have someone who just understands a certain aspect to a game really, really well. So, when you need to get something done in that element of the game, you're going to call on that person, and you might end up calling on that person a lot. So, they're making. It sounds like all these developers are are making adjustments, or or they know it's a, a standard that they need to live up to is having less crunch time. It's just a matter of figuring out within each of these companies what the dynamic is. To help reduce it that's kind of the, the vibe that i'm getting and yeah. although this is a lot of talk and it does not mean that crunch time is going to be reduced i really do believe that it's going to work because we've seen over the past you know 15 years from that data from the independent game developer association that it, it has gotten better and it's gotten better because companies like this respond to the pressures from the community to strive for for a, a better life for the people who make the games that they love and it's nice to see that developers are responding to that. So we'll see what happens. But I, I, I genuinely think this is going to work out.
0: Yeah, I think this is an excellent first step in mm-hmm. improving the industry as a whole. Um, as we've talked about in the past, like unions would be nice, but there's also a lot of other baggage that comes with that. And it's difficult to implement worldwide. But if you just have studios that take it upon themselves to revolutionize that workflow and to make it a better work environment for everyone who's there everyone else is going to follow suit because if you think about trying to attract the top talent and that person is getting an offer from somewhere like uh, the dev of Wolfenstein saying, Hey, we have all of these things and we're um, the specifics, but if if it's really nice to work at that dev versus something like riot games in the news right now, (laughs) and it's like, Ooh, they're offering me very similar packages or even maybe riots offering me a little bit more money for the same job but i know that i'm going to have a shit time working there i'm going to choose the better of the two places to go because i want a better quality of life i want a better work life balance um so as long as people are starting to make this decision on their mm-hmm. own as companies and game devs like that's going to put pressure on everyone else to be better
1: and will hopefully totally. help us self regulate a little bit mhm but also too like when these developers start losing their or these studios start losing their best developers I mean, that's going to hurt Cyberpunk 2078 if their crunch time is just so bad that developers are like, well, fuck this. Studio down the street's way better and I like the game they're making, so I'm going to go there and make a really good game with them instead. Cyberpunk 2078's not going to be as good of a game. So yep. they're, they're just going to want that talent there. So I think that's that's what's going to make this change and become better. Yeah. So it's cool to see it it's happening. Um, I am, I think, more concerned about CD Projekt Red just because they have had ongoing issues with this and i think their statements were the most vague and just like yeah people can take time off <laughs> yeah
0: it doesn't mean that people won't shame them or that they'll everyone else will keep working and they're going to feel
1: guilty by not coming in anyway so yeah because that's kind of what was happening in, in with our rockstar and red dead redemption 2 and and what a lot and even what um what john height mentioned he's talking about blizzard and working blizzard is that these people sometimes want to work these hours or sometimes like you said social pressures kind of just make it so you ended up working those hours not necessarily voluntarily or involuntarily like it just kind of happens yeah so like i feel like that's where am i going with this that's where a policy is really important and not just a mentality. So like right. when I hear that Wolfenstein is having this 12-month policy they're working on, they're not going to share the policy with us because it's not going to mean anything to us because it's about their organization and how the organization operates. It won't mean anything to us, but the fact that they have a policy means they're trying to take it on a much more serious level where if someone did complain, there's something they can fall back to and say, "Well, the policy says this." That's a that's the direction I'd like to see going. Yeah. CD Project Red didn't seem to have that. It just seemed that they were talking about it and, you know, no repercussions for taking time off. We'll see. They might just not be as open. And there's another element, too, is that Wolfenstein developer... I forget. What developer is that? Wolfenstein
0: I is... I forget.
1: Okay, well, them. Um, I think, as the question, I just totally blanked what I was going to say in response to that. Um go ahead. Totally I grateful. I think that I'm blinking. I'm
0: blinking too as I typed Wolfenstein into my phone. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't remember who it was, what studio it was, but I feel like two weeks ago something came out. Maybe it was no it wasn't right. That's all the arbitration stuff it right. Somebody had like a a thing where like we don't encourage um people to stay late and work crazy hours. But when it comes time for us to review after every quarter or something like that, a which contractors that we want to keep on board, more likely mm-hmm. it's the people who stayed 60 to 80 hours. So, like, it's not a policy or something that they condone or encourage, but that's what's going to get you, like, success in that company. That's where the kind of, like, policy versus reality kind of thing comes through. Yeah,
1: that's also something that unions wouldn't change. Unions aren't going to say, well, no, you can't hire someone who works more than 80 hours for that position. Machine games. <sighs> Machine games, okay. Um that's what I was going to say as well is C Project Red said no repercussions for taking time off. That actually might be a policy that they have implemented they're just not using the term policy or explaining in depth what's going on behind the scenes. They just offhandedly said that yeah, so that's the other element of it too There's also a lot of developers too who probably aren't our studios as well who aren't going to the news and and talking about all the great things they're doing for their employees behind the scenes. They might just be doing it just for the sake of doing it. So, uh, good stuff. The world is becoming a better place.
0: Got to admit it's getting better. Great. Thank you for that rousing discussion. I'm very roused and aroused and bemused. We're going to jump into our final couple of segments here for the night. Uh, the first of which is we're so fucking humble where we take a backseat and let our guests bring a topic of conversation, for us to discuss, uh, because we're just that humble. So we're going to do that right now. <laughs> just fucking kidding. We're assholes. Y'all don't get to talk about <laughs> shit. <laughs> so we're then going to move on to Game On Game Show, our gaming show called Game On, On our game show called Game On, the game show. Game, 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 game. We have a an abbreviated version of Video Game Would You Rather, because I forgot about it until today, and then I work <gasps> like an adult, so... Wait, I you're have an adult? Three. I am an adult. I have three video game would you me. rathers, all with, of which I came up with on the toilet at work today. Uh, making the poopies. F- uh, making the poopies. Time to make the donuts. Uh, <laughs> what if there were poop donuts?
1: I bet somewhere there's poop-shaped donuts. Or like someone has figured out how to poop out in the shape of a donut. Like usually do you like smoke rings. They have poop rings. They could just poop out the ring.
0: That's impossible because you don't have a tongue in your butt. <laughs> They figured it out. What though? if Who people noticed? had tongues in their butts? And like that's the way you wiped your butt—is you stuck your butt tongue out and like licked the rim, that's <laughs> like so you licked disgusting. your lips. <laughs> Ew! Ew! God, I can't stop picturing a butthole with a tongue coming out of it.
1: Oh! Ew! That's so gross,
0: Holden. You're disgusting. Ah. Oh!
1: We Video mutually game came up with that together. <laughs> we did? Mean, I'm disgusting. God. Oh, I feel like I have to draw it now.
0: <laughs> That's going to be your exclusive Patreon wallpaper this week is... Butt with a tongue coming out. Just kidding. It's not. <laughs> Video game would you rather? Question number one. Which modern game mechanic would you rather live without? Autosave slash checkpoints? Or... The ability to use items without having to first go into your inventory. Like, if you're turning in a wouldn't quest. You, like, if you're turning into a quest, you go up to a person, you have to hit start, go to your inventory, choose the item, and say give. Or if you're going to go unlock a door, you have to go oh, to your I inventory, suppose, click the key, and say use. I'd rather live
1: without auto-saving in that case. Oh, okay. Uh, and and checkpoints, too. Yeah. Just manually save. Okay. I'd rather have that one because I can still save. Yeah, you can. Yeah, but dying during a firefight. Okay, here's the thing about that: if I die during a firefight, do I then have to quit game, load game, load that save, or will it like, like, there's no checkpoints, no auto checkpoint, but would it just like revert back to my save as soon as I die? It'll bring you back to the title screen. Okay, and you yeah, can load your save I'll, from there. I'll stick with that. Still, that's fine.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I would do too. I've played enough games like Bioshock when you had to play it without using the invited chambers. I just save a shit ton or um, dead space for the platinum trophy. I think I had to play it all through with one, like with one, just the plasma cutter and without using saves or something like that. Or I don't remember. But anyway, yeah, I think I could do that. And just the in- going into your inventory for shit is just so obnoxious
1: yeah I was just saying like when you load up an inventory to grab something it's like oh fuck I gotta get that stupid fucking key alright select okay now I'm in the door and, like it's you're a little frustrated you're not like happy yeah. about it but when you save it's like oh okay i saved I'm good right now like there's a relief to that mm-hmm. as opposed to an upset so I I'd definitely take that
0: yeah and the shit you go up to like you go up to the door and it just says the door is locked it doesn't prompt you to go into your inventory it just says it's locked and you're like fuck I've gotta do an extra button press to bring it you- Get out. All right. Next one. Would you rather live without... Or which of these modern game mechanics would you rather live without? A difficulty choice or a day-night
1: cycle? I'd rather live without the difficulty choice because I really just like playing the game the way the developer intended it to be played. So that means they would have their own intended difficulty and difficulty curve throughout the game they want players to experience. That's what I want to experience. So definitely that without question. Day-night cycles add a lot to a game and making that world feel believable. Um, so I definitely would. I think I would go the same w- route as you
0: again. Oh, my Whoa. God, Holden. What are we, twins? Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, I feel like there's very rarely a game where I adjust the difficulty, w- mm-hmm. whether it's for a trophy or like Wolfenstein 2 where I just put it on baby ass baby mode. So I don't feel like I would be missing out on a lot of games by not having the ability to scale. But, yeah, you're right. Day Night adds a lot of stuff to it. Mm-hmm. All right, final. Would you rather for this week? Again, it's an abbreviated one. I had to come up with it while I was pooping. Number three. Would you rather watch a "Where Do Pokemon Come From" educational sex ed video about what happens at the daycare when you leave two Pokemon alone, <laughs> or would you rather fuck a
1: Jinx? <laughs> Um, watching that sex ed video just sounds hilarious. Fucking a jinx sounds like a nightmare of an experience. What? Did you get that D wet? Her mouth is always open and ready and accepting. But it's also a jinx at the same time. It's basically bestiality. I mean, okay,
0: but listen, no one would have to know, and she can't tell anybody, because <laughs> all she can say is jinx.
1: Until she meets her... Her master's son who she now... Actually, this is going to be a spoiler. I was going to say a spoiler. Yep, but yep, yep. yep you're you going it. for there. You're no, going for there.
0: She's going to keep that on the hush-hush. She's real discreet. And she's an ice type. Have you ever done the ice trick with... <laughs> you remember that episode of Scrubs where they're like, if you put an ice cube on your tongue first and oh, then you're yeah. like, no, don't do that. That's not a thing. Um... <laughs> A psychic type, she could be it. That's that's going to be a fun lay right okay, there.
1: Okay, the psychic type, there could be some interesting things there, but again, it's
0: bestiality. <laughs> it's not bestiality as much as it is like Al Jolson in blackface. That's really <laughs> what it is. It's more offensive than disgusting.
1: Do you think that's why there wasn't a jinx in the Pokemon movies? Like they, they did the character model and it was like, oh my god, no. We can't have this. This is a like children's movie. <laughs> yeah, that was probably why. But, yeah, I'm still gonna watch that video. I'm not. I'm not racism aside,
0: I would dip my quill into that shit. <laughs> but also, um, I think watching a sex ed video about Pokemon would be very funny. It'd be hysterical. Yeah, just the
1: cheekiness of it.
0: Can you imagine being the daycare operator? You are the owner of a brothel, basically.
1: <laughs> You're just
0: like you run a house where you let Pokemon fuck like crazy and lay eggs.
1: Yeah, that is how's totally that not true. illegal? It's just breeding. Again, because it's animals, you sick fuck who wants to... <laughs> yeah,
0: until your dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That brings us to the end of Video Game Would You Rather and our episode for the week. Thanks again for listening. If you're playing Borderlands 2 along with us for the next month and a half, uh, consider subscribing at patreon.com slash fire. We would love to have more lifelong friends to play with. Um, it's been really great for what we've had so far. But Tuesday nights... And occasionally, throughout the week, we're also going to play. I know last week we said we're going to play Overcooked, and then we didn't. But Memorial Day weekend's coming up. And guess who's going to have some time? Because he has to return (gasps) his rental car. This guy. (laughs) Okay. Until next week, here's our usual sign-off. That was my impression of the sound that Jinx makes.
1: (laughs) And you would know.
0: I would know. I fucked that bitch. <laughs> <laughs>